0: is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: We shouldn't be ignorant of the devil's devices, folks. We should have our eyes wide open to what's going on. We, the church, have some real problems. But there is a dual message that the Holy Spirit brings to the church. Number one, there's a lot of the church that's going to live like the world. There's no question about that. But there's another message too. I want you to look with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, by the Holy Ghost, verse 25 of Ephesians 5, he said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved for, lo- love the church. What I want you to see is how does Christ love the church? What's his plan for the church? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, verse 26, that he might sanctify, that means separate, and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That, or so that, he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, can I ask you a question? When is Jesus going to present this glorious church to himself? See, just at the same time that we've got Paul telling Timothy, well, things are going to get worse in the church. People are going to turn away. People are going to give heed to seducing or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. And men are going to live, Christian men and women are going to live like they're unsaved. That's the way their behavior is going to be. The Spirit of God is very clear about saying that's what's going to happen toward the end. At the same time, he says that Christ is going to present himself a glorious church. Is the glorious church those that, that uh, Paul is identifying in 2 Timothy chapter 3? That are lovers of self and allergic to God? Is that how the message said it? Is that what he's talking about? Is that the glorious church that he's coming for? No. No, it tells us there's going to be a distinction in the church. It tells us the church is going to be two halves. It's going to be one half of those who are still saved, just as saved as you or I, but that have turned away from the truth of the word, have turned away from the knowledge of who God is, who the devil is, and who they are. They're going to be operating in deception because they turned away from the word. But there's another half of the church. I say half, maybe it should say portion of the church, because I don't know what the numbers are going to be. But there's another portion of the church that God is looking at and says, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Now, folks, the Bible makes real clear that nobody's left behind. No Christian is left behind in the rapture. Let me just get that right up front. But Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Turn with me over to James chapter 5. We'll pull out verse 7 rather than read it in context for the sake of time. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren. Brethren means Christians, right? Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Thank God he's coming. Now, Paul talked about presenting himself a glorious church. James talks about the coming of the Lord. He's talking about the same thing. Both of them are talking about the same thing. They're talking about when Jesus appears, he's coming for a glorious church. When Jesus appears, the church will be seen in his eyes as glorious. Well, what does that mean? James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. That's Jesus is waiting. Why is he not coming? Because he's waiting. Why has he already come? Because he's waiting. Well, what in the world is he waiting for? Things are getting bad down here, Jesus. Come on. What is he waiting for? Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, let's take this apart piece by piece, or a couple of pieces at least. Let's look at a couple of things about this. Notice it says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. There's no question but the precious fruit of the earth has got to be people. It's the only thing God ever cares about. If God cared about the place and not the people, he'd fry the people and take the place. Right? So the only thing he could possibly care about is people. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Is the church of 2 Timothy chapter 3 going to be winning people to the Lord? The ones that are lovers of self and allergic to God, as the message said, are those people going to be getting folks saved? How is it possible to get somebody unsaved saved by living that kind of lifestyle that's described in 2 Timothy? So whatever portion that is, I hope it's not more than half, but whatever portion that is, is going to be doing nothing as far as the end time in Jesus coming back is concerned. They're going to be focusing themselves on themselves. They're going to be deceived into thinking it's all about me. And folks, if that is not the theme of today's society, I don't know what it is. It's all about me. Well, then that means the other segment, the other portion of the church is going to have to really get busy so that they can provide this precious fruit of the earth that Jesus is waiting for. Right? That means there's only a segment... Or a portion of the church that's going to be doing the work of Jesus, the work that Jesus told us to do. To occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. It means bring in precious fruit till I get back. Right? How are we going to do that? I say we because I'm going to be part of that. I hope you will be too. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. That means there's a work that the church will complete. The precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. Well, that's pretty obvious. Until, until. In other words, there's an end point. Until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, folks, all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, the early and the latter rain is always a reference to the Holy Ghost. Uh, What's his name? Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost where people spoke in tongues, Peter said, this is that which Joel spoke of. And what did Joel speak of? He spoke of the rain. He said, this outpouring of the Holy Ghost is what Joel prophesied. Well, there are other prophecies in the Old Testament about the early and the latter rain. Peter is saying that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost was the early rain. That means there's a latter rain coming then. That means there's an outpouring, there's a move of the Holy Ghost. I hate to, I I don't want to use just one word because if you use just one term, then people get a a certain idea fixed in their mind about what it is. And I don't know what it is. I think it's going to be a bunch of things. I think it's going to be a move of God that results in a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. But I know this, I know it's going to be based on the Word of God and a move of the Holy Spirit combined. Smith Wilkersworth prophesied that back in 1940-something. He said just before he died, he said there's coming a move, the last day move. He, he spoke of different ones. He, he prophesied the, uh, the charismatic move in the 1960s. He prophesied the word movement in the uh, 70s and, and 80s. It used to be, folks, that people would run across the country. They'd fly, they'd drive, they'd do everything they had to do to get to a place where the word of God was being preached. Now they won't even turn on the TV. Now they want to go where, they, where they're made to feel good. Not where you hear the truth. The truth is not important anymore in the same measure that it was. So he prophesied those moves of the Holy Ghost. then he said this. He said, and the last one that he prophesied that he spoke specifically about was the word, what what was called the word of faith movement. And he said, but there's one coming after it that will be a combination of the word and the spirit. He said, and that's the one that will bring Jesus back. Now, folks, I don't put a whole lot of stock in people's prophecies, but I believe that one. Just got to tell you, I believe that one. So Jesus has long patience for this coming back to receive the precious fruit of the earth. He has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. So at the same time, it's saying that a segment of the church will be living like the world. You won't be able to tell the difference between the world and the church. Another segment of the church is going to be glorious. Another segment of the church is going to have the power of the Holy Ghost on it. I know I've showed you these scriptures before, and we use them regularly in healing school, but I want you to turn back with me to Haggai chapter 2. Or at least I'll read these. I don't care if you turn or not. I'll read them to you. I know your Bible just automatically falls open to Haggai. Well, mine does now, to be honest with you. Verse 7, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Now, what does it mean the desire of all nations shall come? Let's talk about Jesus returning. The Bible says, Paul said that the whole earth is groaning and travailing until the return of Jesus. So here where it speaks the desire of all nations, it means the earth is waiting for Jesus to come back. Folks, you need to realize, even though the earth is not alive, it contains life, but it's not alive itself. The earth was not made to be subject to sin. And ever since it came under the curse of sin, it's been struggling against that sin because that's not the way God made it. The earth doesn't have a will. It can't decide to do right and wrong. But the earth, because it was made in righteousness... It was made by a righteous creator is struggling against, is groaning and struggling against the sin that holds it bound. Holds it bound. So where it says the desire of all nations shall come, it says the earth is waiting for Jesus to appear along with the sons of God. That's why Jesus' plan is the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down so that he can dwell with his people on the earth In righteousness. It's what he originally planned for Adam. Before Adam messed things up. The only difference is. With the new heaven and the new earth. There will be no presence. Of Satan or sin. Won't be anything for us to resist. So I will shake all nations. It says. And the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory. Saith the Lord. Now can I ask you a question. Is there any need for that to happen in heaven? Any need for the for the house of God, the people of God to be filled with glory in heaven? No, the only reason the only way you can get to heaven is if you are filled with glory. So he's got to be talking about here on the earth. Some people, some commentators say, Oh, this is talking about the heavenly temple. It can't be talking about the heavenly temple. God saying, Oh, I'll fill the heavenly temple with glory. Is it not filled with glory now? Is heaven not lit by the presence of God now? Come on. Seriously. That's just wrong thinking to keep you in bondage and to hold you back from what the Bible says belongs to you now. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Do you care if God owns silver and gold in heaven? Is that a, is that a real important issue for you? Now, I know the Bible says some people say, yeah, but the streets are at gold in heaven. Yeah, and how's that going to help you? You don't have to pay a mortgage in heaven. Silver and gold have no intrinsic value in heaven because there's no use for it. God uses it as decoration. So silver and gold is mine, has no heavenly meaning, but it does have an earthly meaning. Now, for whatever reason you want to attach it, the Bible speaks of glory attached with silver and gold. The Bible speaks of the connection between silver and gold and glory. If he's talking about last days, that says to me that he's talking about financial provision for his glorious church in the last days. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. (laughs) That thrills me every time I read it. The silver is mine. Here's Jesus saying the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And in case you don't know who I am, I am the Lord of hosts. (laughs) Now, does Jesus have any need for it? Not apart from you. Because he's not here. He left you in charge here. Verse 9, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Now, there's two ways you can look at that. You can either look at that as Solomon's temple where the glory of God was so great that the priest couldn't stand to minister, the presence of God was so in evidence that the priest could not stand up. Everybody fell flat on their face. That seems to me to be a pretty good indication of the power of God on the scene. Well, if that's what he means, then he's saying the glory of the latter house, and that's got to be the last day church, is going to be greater than they had in Solomon's temple when it was dedicated. I'd be okay with that. Or it could mean the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost as referred to in Acts chapter 2. And the things that resulted from that, like the healings and the miracles and all the things that took place in the early days of the church. Which one is it? (laughs) Well, they both result in the same thing, and that's the presence and the power of God. So I don't care which one you pick. And he said, the glory of this latter house shall be greater. Not the same. He didn't say it would be like it. He said it would be greater. Greater. Than of the former.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of
0: Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv.
1: Then he concludes by saying, and in this place, this latter-day house... And in this place will I give peace and then closes up by saying, saith the Lord of hosts. So what does that say to me? That says there's going to be a distinction between those who are doers of the word, the glorious church. Certainly we know there's a distinction between the glorious church and those that portion of the church is living like the world. Living like the unsaved. But he's saying that there will be a distinction between the church, the glorious church and the world and the glorious church and the the deceived church. If you'll allow me to use that term. I'm coining that on my own, but you understand what I mean by that, I hope. He says there's going to be a distinction. So if we understand the times, what are we to do? That's what this is all about, as far as I'm concerned. That was the whole purpose for me starting this series. If we understand the times, what then are we to do? Well, folks, the issue is very simple. It's very plain. You decide which part of the church you're going to be. You're going to be the deceived church that lives like the world? No, Pastor Mike, I want to be part of the glorious church. Then quit having the arguments of whether or not it's okay to drink. Quit having the arguments, is it okay to do this or do that? Everybody else is doing it. Other Christians are doing it. Shut up about those arguments. Make the decision once and for all, are you going to be the glorious church or are you going to live like the world? Quit the complaints, quit the arguments about Christian tattoos. Well, if I get a tattoo, is that going to keep me out of heaven? No, it'll just make you look like the world. We shouldn't talk like the world. The Word of God should be in our lips. We shouldn't live like the world. We shouldn't eat and drink like the world. Those are the two things that Jesus said would be taking place in the day that he comes back. He said people will be eating and drinking. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean nobody else eats and drinks? What well, can't mean that. You've got to eat and drink to live. What does he mean? He's talking about there's going to be something about lifestyle, eating and drinking lifestyles. That identify the world. Now, now folks, I get it. I understand. I don't live nearly a loose enough life to suit some of you. I get that. I know some of you are really not happy with the, with the, the strictness that I stay with drinking and stuff like that because you want to. And to be honest with you, personally, I don't care. Go ahead. But I do what I do because of what I'm called to do. If I drink, somebody gets hurt. If I drink, somebody's hurt spiritually. If I get a tattoo, somebody's gonna get hurt spiritually. If I talk like everybody else, then somebody gets hurt spiritually. Now you may say, well, Pastor Mike, that, nobody's gonna get hurt if I drink, or if I get my tattoo, or if I, if I uh, smoke or do anything like that, nobody's gonna get hurt with me. Then my question is, why isn't anybody looking at you? Do they not know you're a Christian? Now, for some, that means I'm bound in legalism. Oh, Pastor Mike, you just came from that, that association. You just came from those denominations. You just came from that background. Brother Hagin was too strict. You just came from that, and that's just being bound in legalism. Paul said it was the love of God. Paul said if I do it, then other people are going to get hurt, so I won't do it because of the love of God within me. Now, you call it whatever you want to. I'm going to call it what the Bible calls it. Okay, Pastor Mike, I want to be part of the glorious church. What do I do? Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10. Folks, it takes a determination, but it also takes a move of the Holy Ghost. Notice that Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. We just read that over in James 5. Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And the thing that brings about that precious fruit of the earth is not you living right. I wish that was the case. I wish that our living right would bring about the precious fruit of the earth. Now, it'll help us reach people. There's no question about that. It'll help us reach people. If I live like the unsaved, how can I have credibility to tell them Jesus is the answer? So living right is certainly an important part. One of the things that Paul talks about people being deceived by is those who tell them you don't have to live right. That's the number one thing Paul warned people against in the letters that he wrote. So living right is important. No question about that. But it's going to take more than us just living right to get the job done. It says he has long patience for it until he receives the earth and the latter rain. It's going to take a move of the Holy Ghost. It's going to take an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Now folks, if you understand the times, you understand that this is the time of the latter rain. If you understand the times, this is without question the time of the latter rain. Well, what's going to happen if we do that? So the Lord shall make bright clouds. The margin of my Bible says instead of bright clouds, it says lightnings. If you look up the origin of that word, you'll see that it means two things. It means a display of power, and it means a manifestation of his presence. It's talking about the glory of God. That bright cloud is the glory cloud that's spoken up throughout the Old Testament. The lightnings is the power that's associated with it. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. Showers is an outpouring of rain. A shower isn't a flood. A shower is an outpouring it can be a light shower, it can be a drizzle, it can be a mist, or it can be a shower that lasts a little longer. But he's talking about outpourings of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about individual moves of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about things where the Holy Ghost will manifest himself for specific purposes at specific times. I used to read this floods. Let's pray for the latter of rain and God will flood the earth with the knowledge of his glory. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. It says there will be outpourings. You can even call them sprinklings if you want to. There'll be sprinklings of the Holy Ghost. For what purpose? To make grass in the field, to bring forth grass in the field. This grass in the field, he gives them grass, showers of rain and to everyone grass in the field. This grass in the field is the same thing that Paul, that uh, James was talking about in James 5, 7 where he says the precious fruit of the earth. He says the precious fruit of the earth comes about by these showers of rain or outpourings of the Holy Ghost. These bright clouds, these manifestations of the power of God and the presence of God. This is what brings forth precious fruit. The implication is simply this. If you don't ask, you won't get the early in the latter ring. The implication is you have to ask first and then God gives it. This does not happen because God just planned it from the beginning and it will take place. It will take place because there will be people who are faithful to pray. And it will take place not just for those who pray, but also in other parts of the world as well. God, in his mercy, will reach those who don't even know. But notice, folks, it's the precious fruit of the earth. It's not the precious fruit of America. It's the precious fruit of the earth. That means there's precious fruit in countries that won't allow the gospel to be preached that Jesus wants to reach. That means precious fruit of China. That means the precious fruit of Russia. That means the precious fruit of Muslim nations. It's the precious fruit of the earth. Folks, we're talking about something way, way, way bigger than us. And it's all part of God's plan. Now, this is the church that Jesus is coming back for. He takes the others because they're his children too. But this is who he's coming back for. So what are we to do? First thing, decide. you Are going to be part of the glorious church or the deceived church? Well, I don't really want to be part of either one, Pastor Mike. I want to be in the middle. Let me tell you where the middle is. The middle is in deception. There's only one way out of deception, and that is to make the Word of God a part of your life. Not to make the Word of God part of part of your life but to sell out. Aren't you glad Jesus finished at the cross? He didn't start to hurt and say, forget this. We'll take what good we've done and and let that be good enough. No, he finished. He was 100% committed. That's the same thing he expects of you. That's the same thing he requires of us. That's why Paul says, as good soldiers... Put on the armor of God as good soldiers into your hardness. There's a hardness to it. And anybody tells you there's not, they're lying to you. There's a hardness to it. There's a turning away. There's a deciding between is it my friends or is it the word of God? You know how many people pick churches based on where their friends are? Way too many. You should make your friends around who have made the same commitment that you have. To the things of God. Because those are the only friends that are going to be strengths to you. Everybody else is going to pull you away. Everybody else is going to be a drag on your life. There's a hardness to that. There's a difficulty. There's a discipline that's required if you're going to walk in the things of God. That's why I live the life that I live. That's why I won't do what other people say that other normal Christians do. Because there's a discipline that's required. I have to separate myself if I'm going to operate in the things God wants me to operate in. And what I've given up is nothing to what I'm offered. Now, I'm not telling you you have to do the same thing. I'm not your God. I'm not your Lord. I'm not your master. But I know this. I know that the Bible says that Jesus is made unto a sanctification. That means the Jesus that saved you expects you and already lives within you and empowers you to be separated from the world. And whether you take advantage of that is up to you or not. Same scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.30, same scripture that says He's made unto you sanctification says He's made unto you wisdom. Clearly not all Christians operate in the wisdom that Jesus has made them. So it's your choice. It's up to you. My job is very simple. As Augustine said, to tell the ignorant both what is occurring at present and what is probable in the future. This is what's happening, folks. This is what's happening around us. This is the way the devil's working against us. This is the way the devil is attacking God. He's attacking God. Politically, he's attacking God by by destroying the underpinnings, the foundations that this country was founded upon, and those foundations are biblical principles. The reason that America has been successful for as long as we have is because of the biblical principles that we were established on. Those are going away. What are you going to do when they do? What are you going to do? You better have a foundation under you before it happens Before it's completed It's happening already But before it finishes up You better have a foundation under you You better be building your house upon the rock Because things are not going to get better in the world Things are not going to get better politically Things are not going to get better economically Nobody's even talking about the economics Situation changing You're just supposed to accept the way things are And that's for a reason It's for the devil to control you You have the power, you have the ability, and in my opinion, you have the responsibility to live out from under the devil's attempt to control you in every aspect of life. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back to receive us unto himself. This is known as the rapture. But the Bible also says that he's coming back for a glorious church. That means a church that's filled with the glory of God, That means a church that demonstrates the character and the nature of God.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. And they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be? for your situation to change.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.